Hello. And welcome to Love, Life, Money, and a Cup of Coffee with Cody and Kathy. Welcome back to Love, Life, Money, and a Cup of Coffee with Cody and Kathy. Today, I'm all alone because Cody is having some fun adventures in Arizona. So I'm here all alone running the show. But our special guest today is Chris Hedquist. Chris is a senior portfolio strategist at Townsquare Capital. Chris works directly with financial advisors and their clients in developing, implementing, and monitoring investment portfolios and financial planning strategies. He is also a member of the Townsquare Capital Investment Committee. Chris has been a registered representative and investment advisor since 1992 and has been a general security principal since 2003. Chris also holds the Charter Financial Analyst, CFA, and a CFP designation. After graduating from BYU in business management and finance, Chris began his career as a financial advisor working for Sherson Lehman Brothers and Merrill Lynch. During the past 29 years, Chris has also worked for numbers of other wealth management firms where he focused on advising financial advisors and their clients on portfolios, construction, investment, selections, and wealth management. We work closely with Chris in constructing our clients' portfolios, and he's our go-to person when we have some questions on certain investments or securities questions. So he's our go-to guy for just about anything investment. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you here because, you know, we now have a specialist that's not Cody giving us some insight on the market. Yeah, so. well, no, this is this is fun. This is what I do. And uh, I know for a lot of people it's boring, but that's uh, kind of what makes me tick. So, yeah, it's fun to be able to talk about it. No, and I love how passionate you are. When you talk to Cody, it's like both of you are just like going off of each other. So <laughs> I always enjoy that. So now that he's not here and I have you to be our first guest, that that's amazing. Can you give us an update on how the market's been this year? Yeah, well, um, probably most people know. You'd have to be probably under a rock to know that uh, it's been pretty tough um, for the first part of the year. Um, it was interesting. We came out of COVID, and and the markets just roared ahead. And uh, suddenly, uh, after a long, long time of not emerging, um, inflation fi- finally reared its head. And um, you know, I'm I'm older than you for sure and, and most. And so I remember, you know, the 70s and 80s style inflation when I was younger. And uh, we haven't seen it in, you know, what, 40 years or, or more. Um, and um, it, it came with a vengeance and prices shot up, interest rates dramatically shot up. And as a result, uh, there's been a huge kind of adjustment uh, in the prices of financial assets, um, you know, stocks and bonds particularly. And those retrenched uh, quite a bit. So uh, fortunately, we've we've kind of seemed for the moment to have bottomed. We had a great uh, July in the markets. August has been a little was a little choppier, but um, it seems like maybe we're kind of going going through an adjustment period um, there with inflation. And there's certainly a lot of evidence that inflation from its peaks is backing off a little bit. And so I think that's calmed the market a little bit. But we're still down, you know, 12, 14 percent from the beginning of the year 
um, in terms of most you know market averages. And in some cases, some stocks have taken more of a beating. Um, but there's been segments that have actually done really well, um, like energy with oil prices going up. Some of those companies actually benefit from you know inflation. So it's been kind of a mixed bag. But I'd say on the for the most part, it's been a tougher year for sure. Yeah, we always tell our clients. Don't look at your portfolio every day, maybe every once in a while, especially now, like put your seatbelt on and get ready. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's just, it brings more of an emphasis on the long-term nature of investing, right? I mean, I think a lot of people do treat it as a casino and they like to get in and out and, and try to make the short-term moves. But um, the market's been a, an incredible mechanism for producing wealth. In fact, I would argue it's the best um, in terms of owning you know high-quality companies, putting them in your portfolio and letting them do their thing over the long period of time. Um, it, it's, you know, it's really difficult to find. In fact, I think it's impossible to find just a, a, a general group of investments, whether it's real estate, bonds, precious metals, um, anything that have done as well as stocks or equities over the long haul. But it really is a patience game, right? Um, the, the price to be paid for building wealth over time is times like this when you have to have some fortitude and, and be able to sit tight and, and be a little bit patient. And that's, that's, that's difficult. Um, especially if it's not something that you do every day and don't understand it to see statements, you know, the values go down on statements. Um, that's, that's unnerving. You know, I guess I'm used to it cause I've been through a lot of those right yeah. over the years and I've seen the rewards come from it personally and for clients. And so I'm convinced that they need to stay the course, you know, to see the result. But, uh, um, that, that's really our job is to help educate and help put people in the right positions where they're comfortable and that they can, you know, produce and, uh, some wealth and, and also preserve their wealth over time. Yeah. And that has been our philosophy as well, you know, buy good asset and hold them and make sure, you know, your portfolio is more diversified. Yeah, no, I agree. In fact, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because I find so many people go from sitting in, savings accounts, money market CDs, and they say, no, I, I don't like risk. And then the next day, suddenly they're, they're investing in some, you know, venture that's their brother-in-law's, you know, startup out of a garage <laughs> and they lose their nest egg. And it, it, they don't understand. I don't think that there's different variations of risk along the way that okay. you don't have to go from zero to a hundred miles an hour, right. In terms yeah. of risk, um, there are, you know, assets to, to hold that are, yeah, they have some volatility and some risk, but I wouldn't describe them as speculative, you know, by any means. And sometimes people skip those, like, you know, just owning a good company like, you know, Apple or Walmart or, you know, some of these great businesses over time to see how much wealth that's produced for people. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't utilizing that in their portfolios like they should. Um, and, uh, and, and maybe assigning, certainly there's risk, but maybe assigning too much risk to the stock market and too much risk to, you know, great world-class businesses, as you're describing, you know, the high quality, not the, not the fly by night startups or the, you know, the zombie companies that are financed by tons of debt and, and the government's yeah. propping them up, but just really good, solid businesses, um, that, you know, kind of print dollar bills <laughs> and to be involved in those over time is is really I think the key and I think it's what you espouse and it's what we do as well yeah and that's why you know you've been a great asset to us with our clients because every time something happens we're like Chris what do you think about this it's like every time we watch the news it's like OMG what's going on it's like but breathe put on your seatbelt and let let these stocks do its thing and it'll yeah. 
but I love the Town Square investment team where you guys evaluate the portfolio and try to make sure that these companies are still in, you know, with good credit ratings and are still sufficient to be meet the qualifications, I should say, to be in our portfolio. Yeah, and I think that's the key. I mean, oftentimes people come to us as investment advisors and think that we're going to hit home runs for them every year, right? And and I suppose there are some that are touting that type of philosophy. But for us, it's about preserving capital, number one, right? And owning high-quality businesses. And so what that generally means is that during tough markets like now, right, they don't go down as much. Um, but oftentimes they, they don't go up as much in, you know, really – kind of speculative markets where everybody's just throwing caution to the wind. Um, you know, sometimes people hear their neighbors, they're saying, oh, I'm investing in, you know, GameStop and, you know, some of these other meme stocks and they're, or, you know, Bitcoin. And they kind of get, I don't know if the word is jealous, but they, they have some envy or they think yeah. maybe I'm not doing the right thing. I need to step into this high risk area. And then ultimately here, almost inevitably, they're getting in late to the party, right? right. And, and they and they get burned and those prices come down dramatically. And then they throw their, their hands up and say, well, you know, I'm not going to get involved in the stock market. It's just a, you know, it's, it's, it's a casino or it's, you know, just a crapshoot. And they've just completely bypassed the high quality companies that are clipping along you know, 10, 12, 15%. I mean, if you compound your wealth, even at seven, 10% over time, I mean, it's just, and you do that long enough, right? It's pretty dramatic what could happen. And I, and I feel it's unfortunate that most of the people I know have either taken huge bets and most of them have lost, you know, on something really speculative and have lost, right? Every once in a while you hear about the person and then you get jealous that, you know, bought Bitcoin at the bottom and made a fortune, you know, mm-hmm. and they live in a mansion and you go, gosh, why am I not doing something like that? Um, but then you have other people just sitting in the bank where inflation is eroding their wealth. You know, they think they're safe, but at the same time, taxes and inflation are really chipping away at the the, the power of the purchasing power of those dollars. And they've bypassed a whole segment of what they could be doing with their money, which is just high quality businesses, you know, um, blue chip businesses that are have huge moats around them in terms of a, a competitive kind of fortress, you know what I mean? It's not like they're going to be knocked off their perch in a moment, right? They're just too big, they're too strong, they're too competitive, um, and those are the those are the kind of businesses that we really like to own over time. You know, a lot of them pay great dividends too, and that's another way to you know compound your your wealth is is you know taking quarterly distributions. But sometimes that's not sexy enough for for people, right? They want to go to to something that's you know, maybe a little more flashy where they could double their money overnight. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that I haven't done a few of those things over okay. time, but boy, you got to be really cautious. And I guess I, I, I feel bad sometimes when I hear stories of people taking huge parts of their net worth and retirement and doing things that um, just, you know, just aren't wise. But sometimes I don't think they have the vision to be able to know to differentiate between different investments and, and which ones maybe make sense and which ones don't. That's why it's important to work with a financial advisor and that the proper planning is done to make sure you achieve those goals. And, you know, with our clients, if they, if they're on track or even if the market, like now we we're not getting so many calls because they know what to expect and, you know, to just wait it out. Or if there's concerns, you know, they know that, at least they know that they're on the right track and that it's okay. It's not going to kill their 
um, retirement or their portfolio or the net worth and stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, you, you bring up uh, the need for a financial advisor. Um, it, to me, it reminds me of a coach. Even the best athletes, I, I take golf, for instance, which I really enjoy, all the best golfers have a coach. And you think, well, wait a minute, they're the best in the world. Why do they need a coach? You know what I mean? Right. And you do need, in my opinion, we all have blind spots. And we also are sometimes overly emotional about our money and and there's just different things and I think it's really wise to sit down with someone who maybe is a little more objective has a little more experience not that and it's not meaning that you're not smart when you hire a financial advisor and it's just like you know when I go get golf lessons it's not because you know I I feel like I I can't do some things on my own right but I need someone else to kind of give me some perspective and that's that's huge it keeps you on track and and keeps you um, going forward in it. And I think one of the worst things we do in this business, I know I say worst thing, it's, it's a required thing, but you know, we, we give access, um, for people to see their, their accounts every minute, every second of the day, right? So they can watch every tick and every movement. And some people get obsessed about that. And I think, you know, if you bought a piece of real estate, just a raw piece of land or, or a home or something, and or a business, and you were putting that as a long-term investment, you know, your horizon was five or 10 years and you put a meter on it that that valued it every second. You know, it had an appraisal every second of every day, like the stock market. And you, you watch it go up and down and sideways. You know, people wouldn't want to do that, right? It's a longer term thing. And they wouldn't want to get spooked out by the fact that it's down a little bit. You'd say, well, I bought this business because it's a five or 10 year thing. If you did a, 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 an evaluation on it, you know, six months after I bought it and it was a little bit less than what I bought it for that probably wouldn't rock people's world too much, right? But um, nevertheless, when it comes to your stock market account, you know, people have it on their iPhone, right? They can yep. see it every second and every, you know, they calculate every dollar and I think it creates a, not a great environment um, mentally and emotionally to be able to be a long-term investor. And the, and the best investors like Warren Buffett have been long-term investors. They tend not to look at every little you know movement and they're focused on the bottom line which is are these businesses great businesses that are growing with top management and over time that just kind of takes care of itself yeah like for example i bought amazon when it was still fairly new like at 200 dollars a share yeah and i kind of forgot about it because i just buy and hold and kind of forget about it and now i look at the price of amazon and i'm like yeah. Well, and I, I heard it one time, and I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was Warren Buffett even, who said, you know, when you make a, a stock investment, um, you ought to make it as if it's irrevocable, even though it's not. Yeah. Like you can, on your phone, you can buy it and sell it in two seconds, right? It's been made yeah. so easy um, to get rid of. But like if you actually had to take the stocks that you buy and take the stock certificates, which don't exist anymore, but you know, you had to get those stock certificates and bury them in your backyard. And then um, on the day you retire, you know, or the day you need the money, dig up the stock certificates and cash them in. Um, y the scrutiny that you would go through in terms of those investments would be a lot different than knowing that you could just unload it in two seconds on your phone, right? You'd, you'd really give some thought to where is this business going to be in three years, five years, 10 years? I mean, is this still... You know what I mean? Can this business adapt to new environments? Are they? You know, you'd go through a, a checklist of of things, and I'm almost convinced that most people would be a better investor to make those kind of decisions and mm -hmm. set it and forget it. Um, 
I don't think that's the ideal. I think things do change. You do need to review your portfolio from time to time because sometimes businesses, you know, do go, you know, by the way of the dinosaur and <laughs> and, and they do die and, and fizzle and, and you need to evaluate those over time. But for the most part, um, you know, I think sometimes people can get too emotionally involved in it. And, and I think some critique quarterly, maybe yearly yeah. is is wise, but certainly not, you know panicking based on a bad quarter or even a bad year yeah that's why annual review with your financial advisor is important too yeah yeah no absolutely i think you know i think keeping the balance in your portfolio i've met a lot of people who have been fortunate enough to do really well in some stocks like you know they may have worked for a company like microsoft you mentioned amazon or apple Mm -hmm. in fact i've met so many people that say i've i bought apple and i've done really really well with it but now it's you know, a huge part of their financial portfolio, maybe of their net worth. And maybe it's time to think about like diversifying a little bit further if they're getting too concentrated um, because things can come, you know, pulling back. And Apple, even though it's been a wonderful stock over the decades, it's had a number, I don't have the data here in front of me, a number of 30, 40, 50%, you know, peak to trough um, pullbacks, you know. Um, that probably would have head faked most people out. They would have panicked and cut and run, you know. And so it really took a lot of kind of intestinal fortitude for people to stick into that. It looks so easy in retrospect now, right? Oh, I should have just bought Apple and hung on. But it was it was a, a roller coaster ride for a lot of years. Um, but but if you do build up too much in different portfolios, you get concentrated in a certain industry. Um, you know, a lot of people, if they work in the the oil and gas industry, maybe have invested in stocks there, and and maybe they're a little heavily weighted, and maybe owning you know, healthcare and technology and, and some different industries would, you know, give them a, a smoother ride and, and a more predictable outcome at the end versus just being, you know, f- concentrated in just one place. So what do you think how 2022 is going to end? Well, yeah, you know, I wish I had my crystal ball. If I, if I had that and I knew I wouldn't be sitting here talking <laughs> to you, but um, we certainly do have, you know, a, a forecast and, and we're, you know, always looking at kind of, trying to read the tea leaves and seeing what's happening, you know, economically and, and in the world. But, um, you know, we're probably more optimistic than most um, in terms of what's happening. I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, you know, we've had this, um, you know, really awful inflationary period in the stock markets retrench. But the underpinnings of our economy right now are actually really, really strong. Um, most really bad recessions or depressions ep- economically have been fueled by debt. Where corporations, uh, individuals have kind of, you know, you think of 2008, right? People had kind of leveraged themselves to the gills. They'd bought, you know, two or three homes to flip and they'd take a, and suddenly that, when that house of cards and dominoes crashes, it, it gets ugly. But that's not the case now. The, the consumers have been much more cautious with debt um, and banks are not anywhere near as, you know, leverage as they were back in 08 when they were just giving loans to anybody who could, you know, fog a mirror. Um, And there's a lot of equity generally in people's homes um, and corporations have been able to get leaner and meaner with uh, lower interest rates. So, you know, all that being said, um, certainly the economy has ebbs and flows, right? And we're definitely going through more of I guess some could argue we're in a recession right now because the GDP, the output of the economy slowed down the last couple quarters and, you know, almost to flat, but, um, and interest rates have shot up, but, but we really think corporate earnings and, and 
particularly jobs are so strong, the jobs growth and the job openings, um, that it's hard for us to imagine um, that we're going to go into some deep, dark recession. It'll be a brief recession like when at the beginning of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think people are focused a lot on geopolitical events like what's happening in Ukraine, China, Taiwan. Um, you go down the list and even what's happening in Washington, D.C. And and although I'm not going to say those don't influence things, to be honest, a lot of that's noise. I mean, you can go back and look historically and see all kinds of noise. People think, oh, this is such an awful time. Well, you know, go back to the Cuban Missile Crisis or, you know, World War II or, you know, you name it. There's always something to be worried about. You know, there's always something that's going to cause someone to say, this isn't a great time to invest. And all the while, um, the economy and the markets and capitalism have, you know, been very resilient and produced wealth for people who are patient um, and can and have some stick to about it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what we'll see, but in my own mind, I could certainly see after the midterm elections and as the Federal Reserve slows down their pace of interest rate hikes and inflation kind of gets you know, more tame that I could see, you know, the stock market having a nice run in, in early 20, you know, 23. Um, and uh, so we're optimistic about that. Yep. And we are too, you know, we know we are backed by a very strong investment team and we're glad to have you as part of that team. Well, thanks. Yeah. You know, it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. We enjoy what we do and, and uh, yeah, we founded our firm just with a, a different philosophy feeling like, um, a lot of what investors out there are receiving in the marketplace as far as advice um, is is kind of manufactured on a treadmill. It's kind of cookie cutter. Um, it's oftentimes more expensive than it needs to be, um, and it's not uh, tailored to, to people's individual you know, needs and circumstances. And uh, so we just want to invest more like how institutions invest, you know, um, a pension fund or a big endowment fund goes through a certain process. And we just got together and said, why, why can't that process and those type of investments be brought to, to bear for, you know, just the average Joe like you and me, you know, like, you know, why can't, why does the individual just get something thrown to them to invest in a way that's different from, you know, the big boys and put some say, well, it's because they have billions of dollars, but, but that's not a great argument because with technology and a lot of things that are available, um, you know, it's, 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 it's not a function anymore that you have to be some multi-million dollar investor to get a better and a more high quality experience um, than what I think has traditionally been offered by banks and insurance companies and brokerage firms. Yeah, this is why we love the 10 square philosophy where, you know, it's everything is tailored to the client, which is what we do is because we have to be working in the best interest of the client, not what the big wirehouse are asking us to sell or whatnot. Like we don't. And this is why we make such a great team with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think of like, um, if you ever sat down and tried to build a home or, or, uh, talk to somebody, sometimes people will say, well, you know, um, to start asking, what kind of square footage do you want? You know, what do you want this and that? And they're asking all these questions. You're like, okay, I don't know. And then you finally sit down with somebody who says, tell me a little bit about your lifestyle. Tell me about your family. Tell me about, do you like to entertain? Do you like to sit outdoors in the evening? You know, and then they're sketching a plan for you and they're like, okay, they're getting to the heart of the matter, right? Yeah. 
I don't know all the details about architecture of building, right? So you can ask me all day long, all these other things, and I'm just going to, I'm going to have a probably a frustrating experience. But when somebody can say, what do you need? What are you trying to accomplish? And then translate that into a plan for me. That feels good, right? And so I, that's kind of a, an example of how I think we try to work is um, not just be order takers, but really kind of understand and get a picture for each person's unique circumstances you do, right? And that's primarily your role, right? Because we're more behind the scenes running the investments. But um, that's really critical to put it together a financial plan. It's not a, it's not a one-size-fits-all proposition. It's not, and it's custom built. So you you don't go to Ivory Homes and said I want a custom built home. No, not really. Yeah, right. I'll <laughs> right. so. give you one of the one of the you know the models. Maybe you can put your twist on it a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's I, I think you hit on it. that's probably one of the big keys in terms of a, a differentiator for what you offer um, and at proactive and and what you know we're we're bringing to the table on the investment side for you guys. Well, thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure having you with us. And, you know, hopefully it sheds more insight into people's fear and what they're thinking, because now, you know, we're almost to the end of third quarter. Yeah, yeah. Now we're coming into the year end. And I think it's a great time to sit down with, you know, like you and Cody, if they're working with you already, or if they're not, they should, they should call you and, and get a second opinion on what they're doing with their, with their portfolio. But, um, yeah, I think year end's a perfect time because there's, there's, um, some things tax related that you can do, um, you know, to kind of get yourself prepared for April 15th of next year. And, um, there's some kind of creative things that maybe people ought to consider in that regard. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's never the wrong time to do the right thing in terms of your portfolio. Sometimes people are saying, well, I've got, I'm messed up here. I guess I should wait for a few months because uh, whatever the election's coming up or, or, you know, it looks like the Ukraine war's heating up or, you know, something like that. And I think now, you know, the time to do the right thing and, and get yourself situated is, is always now, right? You're never going to regret doing the doing that. Yeah, we usually call our clients. Actually, now that's September, so it's from September, and try to get them in before Thanksgiving, just to make sure you know on the tax side of things and making sure that they're still on the right track to their goals and objectives. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I think that's that's a real powerful you know offering, and uh, I think investments are a big part of it, and that's where I focus, right? Um, but I'm very specialized in that. But there's a lot more um, to financial planning than just the investments, right? Right. It's it's integrated across. You've mentioned tax. Um, you've in, you know there's insurance issues. There's estate planning and yeah. and uh, other types of you know, legal type of issues. So it is an integrated thing, and and it you know gets complicated. And I guess that's why we have a job, right? Is to be able to yeah. to help people with, with those circumstances. But it's uh, but it's fun to see people succeed, and and you guys do a great job and are a great partner for us at Downsquare. No, and we're glad to be your partner. Well, thank you so much for your time. And till next time. You're welcome. Thanks. All, right. All expression of opinions are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market conditions. This information does not constitute investment advice and is not an offer to buy or sell a security. Chris Hedquist is a registered investment advisor with Townsquare Capital LLC. 
Town Square is not affiliated with any other named entity. The firm only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempt from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. That's it for this week's episode of Love, Life, Money, and a Cup of Coffee with Cody Kathy. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. This is Cody and Kathy wishing you a love-filled life full of prosperity. Have a good week. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs>